0: Oh, Starbuck, it is a mild, mild wind and a mild-looking sky. On such a day, very much such a sweetness as this, I struck my first whale A boy harpooner of eighteen. Forty. Forty. Forty years ago. Ago. Forty years of continual whaling, Forty years of privation and peril and storm time. 40 years on the pitiless sea for 40 years has ahab forsaken the peaceful land for 40 years to make wars on the horror of the deep aye and yes starbuck out of those 40 years i have not spent three ashore what is it what nameless inscrutable unearthly thing is it what cozening hidden lord and master and cruel remorseless Emperor commands me, that against all natural lovings and longings, I so keep pushing and crowding and jamming myself on all the time, recklessly making me ready to do what in my own proper natural heart I durst not so much as dare? Is Ahab Ahab? Is it I, God, who or who lifts this arm? But if the great sun moved not of himself, but is an errand boy in heaven, nor for one single star can revolve but by some invisible power, how then can this one small heart beat, this one small brain think thoughts, unless God does that beating, does that thinking, does that living, and not I? By heaven, man, we're turned round and round in this world like yonder windless, and fate is the handspike. And all the time, lo, that smiling sky and that unsounded sea. Look, see yon albacore, who put him on to chase and fang the flying fish? Where do murderers go, man? Who's to doom when the judge himself is dragged to the bar? But it is a mild, mild wind and mild-looking sky, and the air smells now as if it blew from a faraway meadow. They have been making hay somewhere under the slopes of the Andes, Starbuck. And the mowers are sleeping among the new mown hay. Hello and welcome, I'm Douglas Bowles and this is 42 Minutes, a podcast about meaning from SyncBook Radio and distributed by thesyncbook.com. You can find our archives at 42minutes.com and you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets at sync42 and at syncbook it's december 26 2023 merry christmas and happy box boxing day hast thou seen the white whale there be a gold to bloom in it for ye if the answer is I. that's the question we are questing for tonight on this our fall installment of the 42 minute seasonal book club we've returned to the middle of the of the 19th century to consider what's driving industry, man, the light of the free world, and the answer lies deep within Leviathan. Moby Dick was published to mixed reviews in 1851 by a 31-year-old Herman Melville. It was a commercial failure and was out of print by the time the author's death in 1891 its reputation as a great american novel was established only in the 20th century after the 1919 centennial of the author's birth william faulkner said he wished he had written the book himself and dh lawrence called it one of the strangest and most wonderful books in the world and the greatest book of the sea ever written its opening sentence call me ishmael is among world literature's most famous it is the story of an eerily compelling madman pursuing an unholy war against a creature as vast and dangerous and unknowable as the sea itself, but more than just a novel of adventure, more than an encyclopedia of whaling lore and legend. Moby Dick is a haunting, mesmerizing, and important social commentary populated with several of the most unforgettable and enduring characters in literature. I think it's high time we get to see. Are you ready to come on board, Znor? Aye. <laughs> it's hard not to lapse into a little bit of pirate, and there were pirates in this book, but um, let's start with your own relationship
1: that to the That was my Quaker, not my pirate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> was that Mason or Dixon? Dixon was the Quaker, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Basically, we're just continuing on the line, aren't we?
0: <laughs> this book really tied together a lot of the different books for me. Because uh, it, it, you've got you've got your Shakespeare in there, and and the Job is in there too. hmm Uh, it was hard not to think about um the Underground Man too, oh. and even the Cormac McCarthy because. The,
1: Uh, Cormac McCarthy especially right?
0: Yeah Yeah, but it gets into the idea of order and God Mm -hmm. and and like uh, chaos and like what holds things together
1: Yeah well quite literally almost it's uh, you have the Mason and Dixon line and that stops at the uh, not yet at at the far west right? And then and then the Cormac McCarthy novel *Blood Meridian* continues west all the way to the Pacific Sea, and then it, it ends um, in California, looking out over the Pacific and and spotting a whale. Yeah. And then uh, and then this book is well, it's about the whole world. Starts in Nantucket, but ends up in the Pacific. It's it's it, that's what uh, Charles Olson said. It was it's, it's basically a novel of the. Uh, of the Pacific, and the Pacific itself is kind of an extension of the American West. And then, so, and then it talks about the line, the line of of the whales. You know, it's in it's the in there's even a quote in this of of uh, the whale makes a straight line in the in the same way as a uh, as a surveyor makes.
0: Right? Yeah, it's funny because I I wasn't putting that piece together. I mean, so the the line comes up, and I thought they were talking about like the equator, at times.
1: Yeah, um, maybe at times, but it, it, the line itself means the uh, that the line of the whales, yeah, which he's tracking. Um, so, it's, yeah, I, I I think it's amazing. Yeah. It's, it it's, really is, and it, and it's, it's um it's the same time it's set in the same year almost as well, at the beginning of blood meridian right
0: it's yeah it's almost exactly the, the the beginning of blood meridian the second half where he's older is after the civil war
1: mm-hmm. so it's yeah it's about eight what 18 1850 right at the beginning yeah yeah so e- exactly the same well exactly the same this is published like 51 or whatever but um um it doesn't really say the book doesn't exactly say Moby Dick uh, w- when it takes place, but
0: there are hints. I think mm-hmm. I'm thinking about like the the tombstones in that Ishmael's reading in the church, and that I don't know if that's in uh, New Bedford or Nantucket.
1: and what what does it say there?
0: Well, so it's just like a different semen have been lost at sea and it, it feels like they're like the eighteen forties you know so yeah. like it's it's an earlier time. I don't think the whale oil oil, oil industry was that long lived as a thing.
1: Oh yeah um I found that out somewhere that was uh yeah till eighteen seventy nine I think comes to comes to mind. I just I was just reading up on that. Um but where, when they first discovered petroleum um, in the states.
0: But then, like, or yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, but uh, 1820 was when the the Essex was uh, sunk. Right. And so, right. Um, and that was you know one of the inspirations for Moby Dick, and it's interesting. Um, you know, that he even puts it in here.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Japan has not been opened. Uh, Japan opens um, Matthew Perry with the Black Ships, comes into Tokyo Bay, 1853. So, of course, that's after the book was published. But in this book, Japan's still closed. Oh, Hmm.
0: interesting. Yeah, well, so that's so fascinating because this book has got me on a tangent, interested in the Impressionists in France, like that whole circle, Mm -hmm. which is like 10 to 20 years after this.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: But one of their inspirations is all this art coming out of Japan.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. There was a whole like, uh, what do they call it? Japonica or something. (laughs) Yeah, that art art movement at that time. Yeah, it's a massive influence from Japan after it opened up.
0: But I'm curious. So I, Moby Dick was the book that kind of set me on my way into my sync journey. And it was before, it was before I really like found the blogging cruise. Like it was kind of my own voyage, but it was, it was the craft that I was, it was like attaching all these different threads as I was like, Moving through that point in time, and it was it was about two thousand. It was somewhere in the two thousand seven, two thousand eight to twelve range. Yeah, yeah. Where I was really like using like Moby Dick was kind of like was my major sync node, but um, I had my own reasons for glomming onto it, and I had my my own idea of what it was about at that point in time Mm. and so i have memories of what i thought it was about and so my experience this time was radically different than what i remembered Mm. and so i'm just curious about your own history with moby dick and you know what you found this time
1: um yeah i read it once before as well um I loved it then, as when I first read it. Um, but this time, I I went a lot closer to the text, and like underlining and making quotes and everything else. Yeah. So, um, and then um, this time, I I just knew I I just know a lot more of of kind of the background, especially the I don't know the philosophical background. Um, like Neoplatonism and Emerson and transcendentalists and and uh, like the the pantheist movements of the nineteenth century and all of that. like I, I I sort of have that more under my belt than I did when I first read it. And so it was a lot' it was a lot more fascinating, just the interplay of ideas that you find in this book.
0: Well, the interesting thing, So I I did not remember it being as theatrical as it was, was one Mm. of the interesting things. So and then back then, I think I kind of flattened it and thought it was a metaphor, which it is. But then it's so much more than just like you can put a reading on it, but you can't you can't necessarily (laughs) capture that fish because it's just so much bigger than your your one idea of what you think that he's saying metaphorically
1: so, so what was that what did you think it was
0: well so back then i was interested in economics and uh-huh. like how one should behave in the world and so i wanted to know about like how you know it's like if i want to understand where we are now i need to go back to the beginning and so it seemed like this Whale oil was the beginning of America, you know, like in in my mind, that was like, okay, this is, this is, I mean, it was, it was an idea back then. But like, if I want to understand where we got to now, maybe I could start here. Mm. And so it was more of an economic metaphor in terms of, and so like, that's the thing that I really had a hard time wrapping my head around this time is like, he goes so all in on whaling. Mm. Like today I was thinking like, you need a form to create meaning. Like you, to, you have to have some kind of form to pour your meaning into. Yep. And so the whaling industry mm. is, is as good as anything You know, if you're, but it's just amazing to me. So I guess this time my take is, it's almost like if you were going to study a mythological hunting society, Mm -hmm. and and so you needed to know about the, you know the 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 revered animal, and that revered animal in this instance would be, you know that's what's so fascinating to me. It produces oil, so it really is like an American or you know modern story about what drives propels the world forward yeah yeah and so like that was the thing that i I, just this time was just trying to wrap my head around because back then i thought oh the whaling parts are intentionally boring because he's trying to simulate what it's like to be aboard a ship
1: Oh yeah that's a good point too though right um
0: but i don't i don't know that it's i mean it's not
1: i don't boring. find them boring at all though yeah <laughs> no i love those parts uh, but i yeah.
0: that's because i love ishmael as yeah. like kind of a a talkative poetic n- narrator
1: yeah me too um yeah he's not he's not just like uh, a dry academic even when he's going through all these these old texts of of whaling um he's he's expounding them in such a poetical way and and there's always there's always this aspect of the sublime behind it like every every little part of the ship he describes it's like uh he expands that out to this like uh divine revelation or something you know that's why that's why i love every every part of this book it's great
0: well so for me i think back then i latched on and this is what i discovered this time is that this book feels there's an early part of it and a a latter part and the latter part is quite different than the earlier part Right. because the the first part is more ishmael and ishmael He's a, he's a happy-go-lucky guy, and he wants to experience things, and he's, he's pretty much good with just about anything. You know, like, he, he wants to go to sea because he's feeling down in the dumps, and, uh, you know, he wants some new experiences. But then once it kind of takes over and Ahab becomes more of the central figure, then it's, it's a different—it has a different uh, tone—
1: yeah, you know, it's interesting that Ahab doesn't—he doesn't he hasn't really come into the, the the book until what, like one hundred and forty or fifty. He's 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 not even there until then. Um, there's rumors of what Ahab is like, but he doesn't actually come onto deck and start speaking until then. And then, yeah, once he does come in, it's like Shakespeare, right? They just it just yeah, yeah, like like some. Like, yeah, the first first part of it reads more like kind of English nineteenth uh, century novels or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but when Ahab comes in, it's just like, bam! This like this power comes into it, right? Like a um, that. Well, that's what. Have you read that book? Call Me Ishmael by Charles Olson, the poet. No. Um, yeah, I, I have it here. This my the introduction of Moby Dick that I have talks about it um, here and there, but but that's an excellent book. Like Olson is, Olson is so hugely influenced by Moby Dick. Like his his famous book of poetry, Olson is this book called Maximus, and it's just it's giant. Yeah, it's like – I've got it here. It's just this. <laughs> it hardly fits on my bookshelf. It's like it's almost like red book size, you know. Um, book of poetry and it's and it's um it's his kind of take on he doesn't directly refer to Moby Dick in that one but it, it's his his um take or I, I don't know his response maybe to Moby Dick but then but then his call me Ishmael which came out earlier it's just a it's it's a thinner um it's just it's just a piece of like uh literary criticism, but it's, it's, it's also excellent. It's a, re- it's a really good one to, to read into. Um, but he talks about that, that kind of Shakespearean power that, uh, that's in this book and the fact that the first part of the book is more, it, it, Olson thinks of it as almost two books that he was, he was writing, uh, Melville was writing. And then he, uh, he came across maybe the writings of, of Hawthorne, and then that just led him to the kind of shakespearean power inspired him that 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 he, he could sort of infuse his his work with this sort of dark shakespearean power and then and then like you're saying when Ahab enters into the book then that's that's the main thrust of it right
0: well that's what's kind of sad to me though too and maybe this is where my underground man like I went back and listened to that episode. But like in terms of meaning, like what what is a meaningful life? And Ishmael was a good role model for me, you know, as I was setting off on my sync adventure. It's like um it you know, like <clears throat> what is today offering and I'm just gonna let you know, let the universe guide me on some level, but Ahab is doing a similar quest and he doesn't understand why he's doing it at the same time, too, because it's not its not so cut and dried as, like, he bit off my leg. I want to kill that guy. No. But I don't know. And that's where it gets into... Uh, Gnosticism. Job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. he wants out of the Leviathan. He wants to punch through. It's like a pasteboard mask, man.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. That whole thing of the uh, hark, the little lower layer. You know, all visible objects, man, are but paste, pasteboard masks. But in every deed and act, some unknowns. But still reasoning thing puts forth the moldings of its features from behind the mask. So that's his response to Starbuck, who says that vengeance on a dumb brute is... Is madness and blasphemy, right? That kind of say? taking vengeance on some unreasoning thing—it's um, blasphemy because you're going against creation. Which doesn't—if um, it's just an animal that that has that happens to have taken off your leg in self defense then you can't you can't say that's a foe. Like that's that's not a uh, that's that's not something that's out to get you. It's just in response to what you're doing to it. But then Ahab says, there is something behind that that is out to get me and out to get us. And and this is the, uh, I, I think this is the big message of the novel in terms of Ahab's perspective is that it's the, uh, Ahab's like a, uh, a Gnostic, right? Like he, he uh, well, he says, he says at one point that he was uh, he he became a Parsi, which he he became a Zoroastrian, like a, a complete dualist, um, and he thought that uh, this world is basically created by this this evil demiurge, right? Like the, the the kind of Gnostic dualist belief as well, and so going beyond that pasteboard mask and taking it out is is what he wants to do, right? He's he's a fighter against Against <laughs> Yelda Bow or whatever the the demiurge, right? Uh, um, so, yeah. yeah, this is the amazing thing of, of this. Like, I I, um, I was looking around on the uh, on YouTube, like just just videos that people have about Moby Dick. and came across one by uh, Chris Hedges. Um, you, you know Chris Hedges, right? Like the, the kind of social critic now. Do you, do you know who I'm talking about? No. He was a uh, reporter, I think. Yeah, I think he was a priest at one point, or like a preacher at one point as well, but he, very famous in the media up until he, he he kind of went too radical. And now, sorry, he kind of got canceled from mainstream media. But, uh, but his take on Moby Dick, I didn't listen to all of it because I didn't really like it, but uh, was that it's kind of, it's a story of... Uh, it's a story of Western civilization, and Ahab represents um, the Western man who goes out to conquer nature and and subdue it to his own power, right? Um, and so he sees it as sort of an allegory for like colonialism and imperialism and all of these things, right? Which is, I don't know, it's a valid take on this, but I think uh, I don't. It, it goes much much deeper than that, you know. And Ahab is 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 a much more sympathetic character than that as well, you know. Like the, even from the quote that you read right at the beginning about the mild, mild wind, you know, you see you he see tried, the deep,
0: right? They almost the deep
1: human side of of Ahab, right? Like yeah. You, like you get the fact that he 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 is out to get the he wants to slay the the Leviathan and break out of history, right? That's his whole goal, you know. Um, and he does see Leviathan as this this evil demiurge, um. So he's kind of like a uh, I don't know like an uh, like an active Job or something, you know. Um. Hmm.
0: So what what it, one of the things that struck me, well, a couple of things. So I wonder if some of those classic movie tropes, um, like it seems like with the scare if you're if there's gonna be a monster there's like the illusion you know it's like you don't really see the monster you you get the effect of the monster Mm -hmm. like in jaws you know yeah where it's a tease and and so in this book there's like the silvery spray and they think you know could that be moby dick and so you know it turns out oh it was moby dick uh and then Ahab is a little bit like that too, where you don't see him. You just kind of he just it takes a while for him to manifest.
1: Yeah, that's right, that's right. And he's he's the hero. Like he's the um. Uh, so Ishmael um describes him, uh, it compares him. Well, when he when Ahab first comes onto the deck, he uh, um Ishmael describes him physically as 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 a the sculpture by Cellini of Perseus right and then later on somewhere in the novel he he talks about um perseus fighting uh saving Androm andromeda from the sea monster and this idea that the uh the sea monster is kind of this dragon of the deep of the deep ocean this sort of force of chaos and so at that time when melville was writing that was he thought perseus was the first whale slayer right um I think if he had he had been writing now he would have known it, it goes further back to to Marduk fighting Tiamat in uh, in Babylonian myth right um, but this idea of this uh, this hero of order fighting this this force of chaos which which in Moby Dick it gets described as being a, a dragon as well, like the whale and the dragon are the same in a, in a way, a whale, a dragon is a lesser whale, a lesser sort of landed whale. Um, and this goes right up to today, like you're saying with these movie monsters, like, like Godzilla, for example, right? Like Godzilla in, in Japanese, it's called Gojira, right? Which is, um, this is, a like a portmanteau, this, um, Gojira, which it's, it's half gorilla, half whale you know, like, uh, and, uh, and, and, and you can, you can see in, I just watched, um, the original Godzilla the other day and you can see how, yeah, it's, it's Moby Dick as well, you know, um, and then, uh, in, in the book also in, in, uh, in this novel, it talks about, uh, St. George and the dragon and how St. Yeah. George is the same, same thing, the same, uh, hero. Fighting the dragon, freeing freeing the land of the dragon, um, and so that that's who Ahab is. He's a dragon slayer, you know. Um, but he he's so deep, like in, in a way, he's he's deeper than than all previous dragon slayers because he's conscious of exactly what he's doing. You know, he's 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 conscious of the depth and scale of his mission. That he's not. He's saving all of creation in his mind, in a sense. You know, like he. Well, so that's interesting because,
0: uh, like he's not portrayed necessarily that way. I I can see why so many people want to make movie adaptations of this because it is so theatrical. Mm-hmm. But then my my realization is that. As soon as you like take this from the book and put it on the screen, it just it it feels flat. Like yeah, you're miss yeah, yeah. you're missing the substance of the book, and you need that to make the the whole thing work.
1: Yeah, I don't I uh, I don't know how you would. I was thinking of that all the way through when I was reading this. Like, how would you make a like a great movie of of Moby Dick? Um, like that movie, the original. Well, I don't know if it's the original, but the uh, the one in the fifties, uh, I guess it is the, the classic one in the fifties. With I uh, think
0: that's the one that people think is the best.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like with even Gregory that, Peck. it's yeah with Gregory Peck. They, like even that is it's it's a it's a good movie. I, I, I like that movie a lot, but it's like uh, yeah, it's like what well, you said. It it falls flat. It doesn't have the uh, it doesn't have this kind of dark sublime atmosphere that sort of permeates this whole book, you know. Like the sense of prophecy and doom and, and uh, portents and omens and all of that, you know, like. A...
0: But so when, as of like, you know, 10 years ago or however many years ago, 15 years ago, um, when I was reading it then, I didn't, I didn't need the detail of the boat and the whale boats, you know, and the tools and stuff. Mm-hmm but that makes but knowing that all that detail that level of granular detail is there the tripods you know like every little thing that they're doing on this boat made it better yeah yeah yeah, yeah so it's,
1: like, it's it's hard to pay attention to all that detail but if you if you do it yeah you, you get a lot out of it
0: yeah so it's not it's not a like a in terms of a stage where you just have a couple pieces of furniture and then the the action takes place. Um, like, this is a novel with, with, you know, levels of detail and um, different little diversions. And so, like, that was... We'll probably have to talk about it later, but, like, I had totally forgotten about the nested tale about the town hoe.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And it's like... Why does this seem so important? And then is it? I don't know. I think so. But, I mean, I'll get into it real fast, but uh so in that nested tale that's apparently happening in Spain and I think Ishmael's telling this tale
1: in, in South America, I think, and he, but he's telling it to Spanish people there. Okay. There, yeah.
0: Is it happening in in Peru, Lima?
1: I think so. Yeah, somewhere somewhere there.
0: Okay, yeah. but you've got you've got a, a ship that contends at some point with Moby Dick, but um, you've got a, a beautiful uh, steel kilt. You know, he's he's a, a subordinate, and he's a handsome guy, and he's he's rugged and good looking, um, and then a really ugly first mate. Oh
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> and his name is. Ratney or something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and but Steel Kilt was making fun of him. And it this this Japes turned into kind of a an altercation and then it basically turned into a mutiny that went on and on and it almost, you know, like took you know the entire ship down but then eventually they contended with Moby Dick and Ratney got wrapped in the cords and went down with Moby Dick. Is that how you remember it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was just, I, uh, I was just trying to find it. Do you know what chapter that is?
0: It's, it's earlier than you would think. I think it's,
1: Oh, it's not some, um, uh, it's, it's after, th- well, it's after chapter 81. So I, I just went through it again. So, um,
0: uh, oh, that it's uh here it is. It's fifty
1: four. Oh, chapter fifty four? Okay, Oh that's fine. I must have skipped over it when I looked at. It. Okay. Um.
0: Oh, town ho.
1: Town ho, yeah. Is the
0: is the ancient whale cry upon first sighting a whale from the masthead? I town ho, yeah. Town,
1: yeah yeah this is the um
0: but there's was, times when I'm wondering if he isn't alluding to s- certain sexual things. Oh, oh.
1: possibly <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I I, I I didn't think of that deeply, but that makes sense
0: well um, I thought the rosebud when they were talking about the rosebud, that whole thing felt like a vagina joke, but it could have been just me.
1: Yeah, and and I was thinking of Citizen Kane. Like, I wonder if that. I was wondering if that went directly. Oh.
0: Because the could rosebud. Have.
1: Which one was the rosebud? Was the rosebud the? Uh, oh no, that was a virgin. That the. Uh, the virgin was the one that was so happy, like it was on its way home, right? Like a. Yeah. You know, which one was a the rosebud then?
0: The rosebud might have been the French ship. Where he was translating? Oh, oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's right, that's right, yeah.
0: And they kind of stole that whale from them that had yeah. the uh, ambergris. ambergris, yeah. <laughs> um, but what do you make of this townhouse story? Well, uh, yeah,
1: what I was thinking um,
0: uh,
1: is right at the end of this, okay? Um, so he says right at the end, the last paragraph of this story, he says, so help me heaven, and on my... On my honor, the story I have told ye, gentlemen, is in substance and is and its great items true. I knew it to be true. It happened on this ball. I trod the ship. I knew the crew. I have seen and talked with steel kilt since the death of Radney. Um, so he says, is in substance and its great items true. Um, so I, I thought he's talking about the whole... Moby Dick, right? There's a sense in which um, again, like uh, with a lot of these great books that they um, the book is talking about the book itself, right? The, the process of writing the book and Moby Dick is the whale Moby Dick is the novel Moby Dick, like trying to conquer it you know? And so this is, this gives us a clue, this little story in between gives us a clue of of the writing, like the writing, like, so of course there are parts all the way through this novel. It's like, how how would Ishmael know this stuff, right? Like, like it's the thoughts of Ahab or the thoughts of um, Stubb or whoever, right? Like, obviously he can't, he can't know these things, you know, he's, he's, he's making them up, yeah. You know? Um. So, so, uh.
0: It, it ta- seems like there's two Ishmaels. Yeah, yeah. There's narrator Ishmael and like. Ishmael on the boat, Ishmael.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so the narrator, Ishmael, and at one point he talks about being back at his cabin and, and writing this in the process of writing Moby Dick um, or the process of going through all his whale notes. Um, so, so in that sense, it's like, yeah, you get... It, it, yeah. Who is Ishmael anyways? You know, it's like, uh, we don't even know his name. It's call me Ishmael. Right. So he could be anybody. He could be, he could be Melville. Right. Like Well, a,
0: and all the names are loaded too. Right. Yeah. So Ishmael is, he, he's like, if I remember right, he's of noble lineage, but he's like the rejected son.
1: He's Abraham's first son. Right. Um, But kind of his son by his handmaiden, I guess, or something like a, yeah, who's, who's rejected by Sarah, his, his wife. And then afterwards they have Isaac together, right? And so Ishmael, Ishmael spawns the whole lineage of the Arabs traditionally, right? So it's, it's a split between Isaac and Ishmael, the, the, the Jews and the Arabs, which is like (laughs) timely as well, right? So, so. Yeah, all these characters, the main characters, are sort of the rejects of the Bible, you know? Like, they're the ones who who are marginalized and fall out of the canon, yeah? Ishmael and Ahab. Ahab, Ahab
0: was the yeah. evil
1: king, you know?
0: Evil well, like king one of, of
1: Israel. The, yeah. Oh. Dogs licked his blood, <laughs> you know? Like, they just let his body decay. Um,
0: and, and the Rachel is what rescues Rachel. I thought that...
1: Yeah, Rachel. Yeah, Rachel's another kind of fallen woman who loses her uh, her sons, and so yeah, the Rachel in the story is like looking for her last her last sons. Mm-hmm. Oh. So yeah, the uh, and then it and then it like you said it the whole book opens and closes with Job, right? Like that's the last thing you you hear um, when it goes to the epilogue. It starts with a. Starts with a quote from Job and and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. And then Ishmael comes back into the story. He was gone for chapters and chapters, right? Like and so Ishmael comes back in the story and explains what has Where happened.
0: Where he to. was, which boat yeah. he was in, and and so and the even the telling of <clears> that, um, it's just amazing to me that they had that conception of like the giant whirlpool suck of a ship going down and it would just take everyone with them Mm -hmm. i mean it it seems more like a movie thing than reality
1: yeah this sense of uh i think there's there's something really deep there like uh this a few times within the book um it's talking about spiralizing right like he one of the times it gets mentioned was when uh, Ahab first puts up the doubloon and has that kind of ritual on the uh, on the ship, where they put the three harpoons together, and uh, and everybody's drinking grog, and he says, "Yeah, drink this grog. It spiralizes in you. It serpentine's down your your throat, basically, right? Like this sort of spiral um, imagery, which is like." in in a lot of that thought of that time the the soul takes a spiral movement up and down through the cosmos right and so all the way through this it's is it's 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 comparing the soul of man to the sea and the soul of man to like a uh, moby dick to ahab's soul and it it all becomes this kind of mere one thing to the other right the mind and, and the waves, or thoughts and the waves. And then the motion of that is a spiral motion. So it, it makes complete sense to me that it, it ends in a kind of crazy whirlpool that's, that sucks everything down into it. Except, well, that was, the, except for the coffin and the Ishmael, I was gonna say.
0: Yeah, which is which is a great little gimmick but there are coffins all throughout this book I was there's just, some, I was so just, many different characters named coffin
1: well I was just checking on Nantucket here and one of the founders of Nantucket was actually Peter Coffin okay so he's a real guy like that inn was supposed to be um, owned by Peter Coffin
0: Peter the, Coffin the
1: right. spout
0: the spouter spouter, spouter yeah. inn well that was 42 minutes thank you for sharing it with us you've been listening to the 42 minutes seasonal book club a production of sync book radio on the syncbook.com more information about the sync book our guests check out past shows subscribe to the podcast via itunes please be sure and visit our website at syncbook.com if you like this podcast check out others it's currently all the sync book radio archives are free we also feature great search to help you find what you need just type book club and all the links will appear all this and more can be found at thesyncbook.com. Thank you so much. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Where
2: once was light, now darkness falls. Where once was love, loving.